Hello, and welcome to the New Hope Church Podcast. Whether you are a member of our church family, either in person or online, or just checking us out for the first time, we believe that you belong here at New Hope Church, and we hope that this message speaks to you today. Don't forget to check us out online at newhopechurch.tv, and we'd love to connect with you on social media at New Hope Church TV. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy. Welcome you to New Hope Church, everybody at our 288 campus, our Friendswood campus, our Alvin campus, and our Webster campus, and everybody who is joining us online. A question I always ask you guys, and I say it's probably bad form for a public speaker, but how you doing? Everybody, everybody good? I'm so glad that you're with us in church today. I have a special treat for you. Um, Randy Frazee is with us today, and and uh, he has been here a couple times before. Once when we did the story, which is a series that goes through the Bible from beginning to the end. And uh, Randy actually wrote this story. And so he came and preached one of the sermons for that and uh, then came back another time. But he is a, a friend of our church. And we have him back today. I'm going to tell you why he's here today is because I, wrote, I read this book right here. Almost said I wrote this book. I read this book right here. Uh, this is Randy's book, His Mighty Strength. It's the title of the series that we are beginning today. And when I read the book, I, I called Randy up and I said, will you please come and teach us at our church? Please come and teach us. And he, he said that he would, and so he's here today. And, and I'm just telling you, this is a great book. We haven't for sale at our campuses, and, and we're running out. We're running out of books. He thought that he had brought enough, but he, is, he has a very, very small faith. Please pray for him. Um, he's learning. He's growing in his faith, and we're proud of him. But... Um, I think we're going to run out of books, so we'll tell you where to get them. Uh, your campus pastor will if, if, if we do run out. But uh, bottom line is I read the book, and, and normally you know this. I don't at our church hold up a book and say, get this book. But I'm doing it today because this book was so impactful in my life, and I wanted, I wanted you to hear about it. I wanted him to share these principles with you, and that is why he's here today. So would you please? By the way, pastor, author, pastor at uh, Westside Family Church in Kansas City. If you know anybody in that area, send them to Randy's church, okay? But uh, would you please, at all of our campuses, give him a big new hope. Welcome. Well, hello, New Hope Church. It is so great to be back with you again. I have so much that I want to talk to you about today in so little time. So I'm going to just dive right in. Is that okay? I want to begin with the story. There was a man uh, who took his wife and his mother-in-law uh, on a trip to the Holy Land. And unfortunately, while they were there, his mother-in-law passed away. And so the funeral director came, comes to the man and he says, oh, well, you have two choices. You can send her back to the United States for $5,000 or you can bury her here in the Holy Land for $500. And the man thought about it for a moment, and he said, uh, we'll go ahead and send her back to the United States for $5,000. And the funeral director just couldn't understand this, and he said to the man, I don't understand. Why would you spend $5,000 to send her back to the United States when for $500 she could be buried here in the beautiful Holy Land? And the man responded, well, I heard that 2,000 years ago there was a man who died and three days later he rose again from the dead. <laughs> he said, I can't take that chance. 
<laughs> I love that, right? Now, now that is wrong on so many levels. You know, first of all, I personally love my mother-in-law. Raise your hand if you love your mother-in-law. And if she's sitting next to you, go ahead and raise it either way, right? The bigger question for the mother-in-laws who are scouring at me right now is, do I love them? Do I love my son-in-law? Do I love my daughter-in-law? Okay, so that's one problem we have with that story. Uh, the second one is that I think this guy understands the what of the resurrection. I think he understands the what of the resurrection. We're going to put it on the screen. The what? Jesus died and rose again on the third day. There's so many people in the world today that understand the what of the resurrection. But I'm not sure that this guy captured the why of the resurrection, and I'm pretty sure that many of you, whether you're here or watching online or at one of the other campuses, I'm pretty sure that many of you have dialed in on the why, because this is arguably the most significant event that has ever happened or ever will happen in human history, why Jesus rose from the dead. At Easter, 2.2 billion people will gather together in great cathedrals and underground churches and now watching online to celebrate this single event. The why of the resurrection, let's put it on the screen. The why, Jesus' resurrection conquered death once and for all. There's the what, but this is the why. This is such a big deal. And here's the big deal. If you God set it up this way. If you will transfer your faith, that is, everybody has faith in something, likely the wrong thing. If you will transfer your faith from this to Jesus Christ, you too will cheat death out of its eternal victory over you. Can I get an amen? Amen. That's a big deal. So that is the why of the resurrection. I can't think of anything bigger. So many people understand the what of the resurrection, A lot of people understand the why, but I I dare say that many people don't know the how of the resurrection. How did Jesus actually pull this off? Do you ever think about that? It's a pretty big deal, right? I want to tell you that the how begins with a who. The passage is 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18 where it reads, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. That's why he did it. He was put to death in the body, say the rest of it with me, but made alive in the spirit. As it turns out, Jesus didn't raise himself from the dead. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 tells us that it was actually the Holy Spirit who raised him from the dead. The how? The Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. Romans chapter 8, verse 11, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 through 20 will also restate and confirm this. And I have to tell you, for many years, I just assumed because Jesus is God, and he most certainly is, that he just raised himself from the dead. But it is clear from scriptures that I was mistaken that Jesus didn't raise himself from the dead. Now, this may not be the burning question that you came into this space today asking. But when I give you the answer from scripture, I believe it will become 
very, very important to you. Now, I think the clue as to how Jesus pulled this off is in Philippians chapter 2. It's actually a hymn that the early church would sing. But before I dive into that, I want to give you an an analogy, a true story that I think might give you some hooks to think about this idea from, because it's kind of thick. Several years ago, Roseanne and I went to dinner with some good friends that we hadn't seen in a long time. We were so excited to catch up with them, and so we went to a really nice dinner, expensive uh, uh, to our taste, to our pocketbook, and we sat around the table and we enjoyed amazing food, belly laughs, we cried, we caught up on the gossip over all the years, we just had a great time. And so when the check came, I intended to pay for it. But when I went to my pockets for my wallet, I realized that I left my wallet at home and I stiffed my friends that I hadn't seen for a long time with the entire bill. Well, at least they used to be friends, right? (laughs) Now, it's not that I didn't have the power to pay for the check. It's just that I left the power to pay for it back home. I didn't have access to the power to pay for the meal. Now, as humiliating as this little uh, event was, particularly for Roseanne, it provides a pretty decent analogy as to what Christ did. When Christ, sitting next to the Father in the heavens, made his reservation to come to the earth, we might say that he left behind a big wallet of divine resources. He left behind a big wallet of divine resources. I want you to listen carefully to the words of the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 6. Who, speaking of Jesus, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Now, the first observation is that Jesus is absolutely 100% God. As a matter of fact, when you study the Bible, this may be new to some of you, but Jesus was actually, was actually existed before he was born. I mean, who else can say that? That's mind-blowing because he is God. John, in the opening of his gospel, John chapter 1, verse 1, confirms it. Let's take a look at it. In the beginning was the Word, speaking of Jesus, the Logos, the Word. And the Word was with God. Now say it with me. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. No question about it. Jesus is God, but... In Philippians, we are told that when he left the heavens to come to the earth, he didn't want to take advantage of the divine resources that he had available to him. The question is, why? Now, I'm telling you, if I'm God and I'm coming to the earth, I'm going to access everything at my disposal while I'm walking the earth. But Jesus decided not to. And the passage of Scripture that gives us some insight is Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. Here it is. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, 
But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Now, high priest. In the Old Testament, a high priest was someone who represented uh, the people to God. In the New Testament, Jesus is referred to as our high priest. He represents us to God, and his goal is to get through this life and uh, do right this time what Adam failed to do, and that is he's going to be tempted in every way, but he's not going to sin, and that's going to set up the high priest, surprisingly, as the sacrifice that is going to be powerful enough to forgive us our sins, okay? But Jesus decided if he's going to represent us, then he must become like us. And so Jesus chose when he left the heavens to come to the earth to put himself in a very vulnerable position by leaving his divine resources behind. So that means that over this last year and a half particularly, when you've experienced trauma, depression, anxiety, loss, all of these things Jesus chose to experience himself so that he could empathize or identify with our weaknesses. He's doing this because he wants to show us the way and to represent us before God. Now, the question becomes, what are the specific resources that he left behind? And what I'd like to do is I'd like to pull out my wallet, if you don't mind, and I'd like to pull out three cards to represent these three specific things that Jesus left behind. The first one is my debit card, and uh, this is going to represent um, uh, his omnipresence. Say omnipresence omnipresence, the word omni is the word all, and it means all present, or God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has the capacity to be in all places at the same time. Boom! Blows your mind, right? Humans do not. Jesus decided to leave that behind. The second one is omniscience. Say omniscience. Omniscience. Omniscience means all-knowing. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit knows all all things, okay? Humans, not so much, even though some of you walk around like you do, right? <laughs> the third card, the most powerful and important of all, my Starbucks gold card. Yes, my Starbucks gold card, and this represents omnipotence. Say omnipotence. Omnipotence. This means all power, unlimited power. God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit has unlimited power. Humans, not so much. Now, here's the deal. Verse 7 of Philippians chapter 2, going back, says that Jesus made himself nothing. Remember that? He made himself nothing. That phrase, made himself nothing, is just one word in the Greek. It is the word kenosis, kenosis. And in other translations, it says that Jesus emptied himself. Jesus emptied himself. That is, when he left the heavens... To come to the earth, he, let's say that he emptied his pocket of these three divine resources so that when he entered our space, he came to us broke. I love the way the message translation puts Ephesians, uh, Philippians passage, and uh, here it is. 
message translation, when the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave and became human. Now, let me remind you again. I say it again. Jesus didn't lose these things, but rather he simply left them behind for the 33 years that he walked on the earth. Now that Jesus has risen from the dead and ascended back and is sitting at the right hand of the Father, you bet your bottoms he's picked up these three powerful resources again. For example, we know that Jesus is once again omnipresent. What does it mean? It means that not only is he sitting actually next to the Father in the heavens, but he's right here with us today. Say hello, Jesus. Because he's right here, right now. Jim even, uh, Pastor Tim even counts him in the attendance numbers, you know? Just kidding. So he's, he's everywhere at the same time. Number two is that Jesus is once again all-knowing. He knows everything again. When he is going to return, and here's the scary thing, he knows absolutely everything about you. And yet he still loves you. Amen? Amen? And finally, Jesus has once again picked up omnipotence. He is all powerful again. That same Jesus, the Logos, the Word that merely spoke creation into existence that we see now is going to once again in the days to come speak a new heaven and a new earth into existence because he is God. Now, what does it mean that he left the, left the heavens and came to earth for 33 years and left these things behind? Well, first of all, as it relates to omnipresence, whenever Jesus on earth for 33 years wanted to go anywhere, he had to walk just like you and me. What a royal hassle, right? And also, we'll see that when Jesus left the heavens to come to earth, he actually didn't know everything. I know that's kind of mind-boggling to you because you've never thought of it this way, but go back and read the New Testament. Go back and read the, 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 the Gospels, and you'll see that. For example, Luke chapter 2, verse 52, tells us that uh, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, okay? God, who is all-knowing, cannot grow in wisdom or knowledge because he already knows everything. So Jesus is either not God or something unique happened. I believe something unique happened. He left it all behind, so he put himself in a vulnerable position to identify with our lack of knowledge so that he would have to rely on the Father. Okay. Now, there's another instance when the disciples are pressing in on Jesus and asking him when the end is going to come. Does anybody remember what Jesus said? The passage is found in Mark chapter 13. Jesus says, but about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, say it with me, nor the Son, but only the Father. What does that mean? He doesn't know. Well, he didn't know the 33 years he walked the earth because he left that all knowledge behind and he had to rely upon the Father for that knowledge. Finally, as it relates to power, as it relates to power, Jesus did not have the power to perform any of the miracles he performed 
nor heal any of the people he healed, just like he didn't have the power to raise himself from the dead. I know, that's mind-blowing for those of you who grew up in church, but that's what the Scripture says. Let me give you an example. The religious leaders this time were pressing in on Jesus because Jesus just healed uh, a man who was demon-possessed, who was also blind and deaf. And the religious leaders were, were accusing Jesus and saying to the people that he has healed this man who was demon-possessed by the power of Satan, okay? Which is kind of funny, right? And Jesus thought it was kind of funny too because he responded back in Matthew chapter 12 with these words. If Satan drives out Satan, remember demon possession, he is divided against himself. How can his kingdom stand? But say this with me now. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Jesus is saying here and in many other passages that actually it is the power of God within him that is enabling him to raise people from the dead. Jesus relied on the Spirit not only to raise him from the dead, but also to heal people. Now, um, I have read passages like this like almost all my life. I, I've, I've never wanted to do, uh, I've wanted to do this job and have since I was 15 years old, okay? And I'm not 15 anymore. I'm not going to tell you how old I am, but I am, you can guess. You're going to miss it because I'm so young looking for my age. Um, but, um, but, but I've been doing this a long time, and I cannot believe that I did not just read what was on the page in multiple passages of Scripture. Jesus is screaming this out. And I've asked myself the question, why? And you know why? I don't think I was willing to let Jesus be this human. And, and, and now that I'm letting him be this human for the 33 years, I am falling in love with him all over again. And I encourage you to reread the Gospels and see if you don't see the same thing I've seen. Now, here's the deal. It all got started for Jesus at the inauguration of a very important event in his life at the age of 30. Okay? Stay with me here, okay? At the age of 30, Jesus begins a three-year ministry, and that event was his baptism. Do you remember that when Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist, that the heavens open up, and the Father, God the Father, who is in the heavens, says, this is my Son with whom I am pleased? And then it says that the Holy Spirit descends upon him like a dove. In John's gospel, it says, and remains with him. What that means is that this was not a cameo appearance of the Holy Spirit, but rather the Holy Spirit comes upon him, enters into him, and remains in him for the next three years and empowering him to do everything that the Father invites him to do. And you will notice, check me on this, up to this point, Jesus has not performed a single miracle. And if you turn the page in your Bible, the very next thing we find Jesus doing, now that the Holy Spirit is in him, he performs his first miracle. The wedding feast at Canaan, where he turns the water into wine. Think about it this way. The Spirit, capital S, in Jesus, turns the water into spirits, small s. I would have loved to have been there. So, with that said, 
During the 33 years that Jesus walked on the earth, every day, every moment, he did so just like you and I do. And the only way he was going to accomplish the mission that the Father had given him is he had to rely upon the Father to know the will of the Father, to have the knowledge, and he had to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit within him to pull it off every single day of his life. But there's one more thing I want you to see. Okay, actually, this is what I've been waiting to tell you since I got up here. This is going to blow your mind. This is going to change. This is a game changer for you. It's actually a prayer that Paul prays for the Ephesian believers and for you. And there's something he says here I don't want you to miss. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened. Yeah. In order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and the incomparably great power for us who believe. Now look at this. That power is the same as the mighty strength. That's where I got the title of the book, by the way. That power is the same as the mighty strength he, referring to the Holy Spirit, exerted when he, the Holy Spirit, raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Okay. Did you see it? Did you see it? Okay, here it is. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Hey, I'm preaching better than you're responding. Here we go. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Come on. All campuses, let's hear it. Do you have any idea the implications of this? Do you have any idea the implications? That's why the how of the resurrection is vitally important. And in case you think I misread or misinterpreted Paul's words in Ephesians chapter 1, let's turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Here it is. And if the spirit of him, that's Jesus, who raised, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit. Say it with me. Who lives in you. Folks, this is true. This is unbelievable. How in the world do you tap into it? So I want to begin with the question. How empowered do you feel right now? How empowered? I'm going to put up an empowerment scale on a scale of 1 to 10, and I want you to pick a number. All of our campuses, those of you watching online, if you feel powerless, give yourself a 1 or a 2. If you feel empowered, give yourself a 9 or a 10, or maybe somewhere in between. Got yourself a number? Okay. When I went under contract to write the book, His Mighty Strength, from Ephesians, subtitled, walking daily in the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Soon after I went under contract to write this book with my publisher, I had four men betray me. Four men who broke a promise that we committed to keep to one another. 
And I really struggled. Have you ever been betrayed? Yeah, you know how hard it is, right? You ever read Dante's Inferno since high school? Dante uh, describes the, the degrees of hell, and he chose to put betrayal at the deepest, darkest place in hell. Psychologists tell us that betrayal from somebody you trust or love is one of the hardest things to come out of. And as for me, in this occasion, it took me into a tailspin. A psychologist would say that I went into the basement of my brain where fear resides, and it was all about freeze, fight, or flight for me. And I stayed down in the basement of my brain, and all of a sudden someone shut the door, and I couldn't get back up to the top of my brain where joy and love resides, and I was living in fear and anxiety, and I went into a state of clinical depression. Yeah, I said it. Yeah, I wasn't just confirmed by one doctor. My family doctor said, Randy, you're clinically depressed. My Christian counselor said, Randy, you're clinically depressed. My Christian psychologist said, Randy, you're clinically depressed. And my Christian psychiatrist said, Randy, you're clinically depressed. Yeah, I said it. Me, strong pastor, writes books, goes to counseling. I get help. And I came alongside of these four people, and they said, you are in deep trouble. And I would have taken my empowerment number from an eight or a nine because you know what, my, my, my empowerment, you know, before I, when I got the contract to write the book, I'm super excited. I'm like, man, I am empowered, right? I'm going to write a book on the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. You know, you know what my blood type is, don't you? Be positive, right? I'm be positive. But now I have experienced a free fall down to a one or a two and the irony was not lost on me. I'm under contract to write a book, His Mighty Strength, Walking Daily in the Same Power that Raised Jesus from the Dead. And most days, I couldn't get myself off of the couch. Ever been there? And I asked myself the question, were these fresh theological discoveries that I had made on the life and nature of Jesus, how he lived his life and the promises to us, were they misguided? Did I misunderstand something? Because they certainly were not working for me. You know how hypocritical I felt about writing a book on teaching people how to tap into the same power that raised Jesus from the dead and I'm clinically depressed? Maybe some of you are there right now. Anxiety, depression, you know somebody. Maybe it's not that, it's loss. And you're in the basement of your brain. Well, I'm here today to tell you that I did end up writing a book and finishing it entitled His Mighty Strength, Walk Daily in the Same Power that Raised Jesus from the Dead. I finished it, yeah. And you know what I discovered? Is that what those four men meant for evil? God meant for good. That he was taking me into a place where I was going to give proof of concept. I don't want this, God says to me, to be just an intellectual book that you write about theology. I want it to run through your broken soul, Randy. Are you okay with that? Because you're going to be able to touch and minister to more people because a lot more people out there that are discouraged and hurting. And it's going to mean a lot more if the words that you write come from your brokenness and not from your intelligence. And so I applied the principles 
that I was discovering and it lifted me out, but I didn't do it alone. As a matter of fact, if you're able to get a copy of the book on page 188 in the acknowledgement section, I write this paragraph. There is a very special group of pastors from around the country who were flat out, out, out there for me. I am a passionate member of their tribe. They reminded me that I was not alone. I won't list their names, but when they read this, they will know I am talking about them. There was a group, small group of pastors from around the country that stayed with me and encouraged me through this process until I finally rose out of the ashes. And one of those pastors was your pastor, Tim. He encouraged me. And uh, I came the first time to speak to you on the story, which is so like over 5 million copies. I feel empowered. Yeah, oh, cool. But the second time I came to you, you probably didn't know this. Maybe you thought something was off. But it was right in the middle of it all. I actually spoke to you. He did this to encourage me that my life wasn't over. I actually spoke to you while I was clinically depressed. I was on meds, man. You were way more psychedelic back then, I'm just going to tell you that for sure. But because of this man and his amazing wife and this church, you helped me to apply these principles, and God proved himself to be strong. So as we dig deeper into the life of Jesus over these next three weeks, you're going to discover that Jesus came to this earth to show you the way to tap into the same power that raised him from the dead. I wrote some things down. The power to forgive someone who has deeply hurt you. The power to get through a difficult situation with dignity. The power to come alongside of a friend or even a stranger who's struggling and help make things better for them. The power to stamp out fear and rise above your negative circumstances. The power to love more deeply. The power to persevere with grace in a difficult relationship. The power to expand your influence and experience more victories. The power to discover and live out God's purpose in your life. The power to be a conduit for God's miracles. The power to move impossible mountains. And most of all, I kid you not, the power in the end to be raised from the dead. Yeah. Whether you live and buried in the Holy Land or in Houston, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And it all centers on following the pattern of Jesus. Study him. And in this pattern, you're going to discover that he did three things that enabled him to tap into this power. If you are not a believer, you don't have the Holy Spirit, and therefore you have no access to this power. But if you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit. He won't leave you. But you have to engage in a discipline, the life of Jesus, to tap into it, which can explain maybe why some believers haven't experienced the empowered life that Jesus made available. And that's what Pastor Tim is going to talk about over the next three weeks, but here's the deal. Most of you, this is a challenge, most of you will still not experience it after the three weeks because when you look at the pattern of Jesus, the things that he did, most Christians are not willing to do. And if you fail to do them, 
you need to understand that the power of the Holy Spirit is reserved exclusively for the will of God. So that's my challenge to you. But I will tell you in the pattern of Jesus that the pathway to the same power begins at your baptism. Just like it did with Jesus, he's showing us the way. So in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, when we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God has raised him from the dead and we believe in our heart, then we'll be saved. It's not just a personal decision. It is a public declaration. And when you make that internal decision and then follow it up with the public declaration of baptism, the Scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit comes down upon you and remains with you to empower you for your whole life. So I want to ask you the question, have you made that decision? You don't only need it for your eternal life. You need it to get out of the hole you're in today. What I'd like to ask you to do on all of the campuses, those of you online, I'd like you to stand to your feet, and I want to lead you in a prayer. And if you're not, if you're like, nope, I'm not up for this at all, then I just want you to put your hands in your pocket, signaling to God, you're out. But if you're in, I want you to take your your arms, and I want you to cross them and place them over your heart. And for some of you, this prayer will simply be a prayer of affirmation, a reminder that the power is within you. And for others of you, it'll be an inauguration of a whole new way of life. So I invite you, without reservation, to say this prayer out loud with me. Dear God, I believe the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead on the third day. Dear God, I call upon the name of Jesus. He is my Lord and Savior, so save me. Dear God, send your Holy Spirit into me to remain with me. to empower me for what I am facing in my life, to empower me to achieve your will. And right now, Father, I'm inviting these folks to just simply lay before you what they want, what they need, where they hurt. So right now, before the Father, just, just talk to him. Tell him what it is. Is it depression? Is it anxiety, loss, fear, finances, confusion, anger? Heavenly Father, as these your people have made their cries out to you, I ask you, I beg you, in light of your deep, deep mercy and your unfathomable power and riches to meet them in their point of pain speak to their hearts and father let the will that you have for them emerge as the perfect answer to their prayer we pray this all in the name of jesus and all of god's people who agreed said amen 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 if you enjoyed the podcast we encourage you to subscribe Share it with friends and family, or let us know by tagging us at New Hope Church TV on social media. We would love to connect with you. Thanks for listening.